Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is my brother Alex. Alex, our task today is to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the intersection between the Holy Spirit and hymnody, the importance of of, Hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit's role in singing. And we'll spend a a little bit of time discussing what's the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian and the life of the church. Mm -hmm. So let me start with that. What, What do you think is the role of the Holy Spirit? I, I think the Holy Spirit's ministry encompasses a number of different things. I think the primary function and ministry of the Holy Spirit is um, to, to mediate to believers the presence of the risen Lord hmm. and to, um, uh, to, to bring Christ to Christians. And um, that, that is very much the thesis of J.I. Packer's tremendous book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. It is a, an ongoing and active ministry of the Holy Spirit. He does that now. If we make much of Christ and glorify the Lord and experience his presence in our lives through the means of grace, that's, that is the operation of the Holy Spirit. And I would get that largely from the upper room, uh, the yes. Lord's comments in John 14 and 16 in particular. Um, the upper as, room as being d- from John 13 through John 17. Yes, John, yeah, yeah. And, and particularly chapters 14 and 16, mm-hmm. where the Holy Spirit's ministry is, is essentially defined for us. He will come and take what is mine and give it to you. He will glorify me. I mean, he's, he's, he's bringing the risen Lord to us. Uh, the Lord says, I will not leave you as orphans. Hmm. I will come to you. He says that in, in it's 14 or 16. And the manner in which he comes is through the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know, and so, but but that that said, that doesn't say everything that might be said about the various functions of the Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit was very much involved in the revealing of God's word, hmm. mm-hmm. um, revelation in creation. Mm-hmm. You know, as well. So um, there, there's more that could be said. Uh, the giving of gifts, um, the work of sanctification in the heart of a believer, but the primary, the principal ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring the presence of Christ and the work of Christ to the believer. Yeah, you reference Packer's uh, keep in step with the Spirit, and the one of the main images he uses for that is the Spirit as spotlight or like a floodlight. Uh, you could think of walking up to a, a house and, and the light shines upon the house. The focus it. is not upon it. the floodlight. It's what the light is, uh, what the floodlight is casting light upon. Well, and, and if I could say, I, I think that that's part of the error in some... Pentecostal or charismatic circles. Hmm. If er, you meet Christians that have this fixation and obsession with the Holy Spirit individually as a member of the Trinity, there's just something a little bit raw off with that. There's a centrality to the person of Christ in the Trinity. The Spirit is trying to put a floodlight on Jesus, and so the Spirit is by no means frustrated or discouraged if 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 the congregation is is caught up in the person of the risen Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is His ministry. That is His work. Yeah, I think of you reference the Spirit's work as illuminating, whether that's revealing Christ, whether that's helping us understand His Word. There's also an element to which uh, the Spirit empowers us. Mm-hmm. We have the Spirit indwelling within us. First yeah. uh, Corinthians four or First Corinthians two, verse four through five. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words and wisdom. This is Paul speaking, but in demonstration of the Spirit and mm-hmm. of power, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. This idea of empowerment from the Spirit yes. that, w- that we receive. Yes. I think of the Spirit's role in prayer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an indispensable role that the Spirit has mm-hmm. when we pray. Uh, Paul gets at that in, in Ephesians 6. And, and, and Romans 8, he grieves of with course. us with groanings that can't be uttered. Interprets our groanings, amen. Yeah. The, do you think, though, I sometimes struggle with the Spirit in the sense that there, there's so much that's mysterious about the Spirit's ministry. Yeah. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, we need the Spirit. He's mm-hmm. indispensable. But are we to understand how the Spirit works? Uh, insofar as it's revealed, mm. yeah. I mean, the Bible's for us, and there are things re- revealed about the operations of the Spirit, and yet there's a lot that's mystical. I, I think I think it's it's okay for us to say precisely the mechanics of the Spirit's ministry at work in us is not completely clear in Scripture, but there's things He's doing that are plainly revealed, and we should recognize them. Mm-hmm. There's elements of His ministry that are highlighted, we we can see the effect of them in our lives. I mean, that's essentially what the Lord says in John 3, the wind blows where it wishes, so it is the Spirit of God. Um, we can see the effect of the Spirit's work. I can look at something and say, that was the work of God's Spirit. But exactly the mechanics of it all um, and how the Spirit works within us is not, it's not spelled out for us with the greatest clarity in Scripture. So I think we should maintain a mystical aspect to the Spirit's work. And by that, I don't mean a... a tremendously vague and undefined mm-hmm. we should we should occupy ourselves with what is clear in the bible yes and we should speak about what is clear about the spirit in the bible recognizing all the while it's not like everything is clear in terms of what how the spirit exactly operates you reference the preoccupation and perhaps excessive focus that pentecostals or maybe charismatics mm-hmm. place upon the holy mm-hmm. spirit uh, that said do you think the holy spirit is neglected in reformed evangelicalism absolutely Absolutely. And that's why you have the proliferation. I, I often hear Alex, oh, say Reformed Baptist or, mm-hmm. or Baptist maybe, you, you don't believe in that your trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Yeah, you don't, you sure. don't care about the Spirit. Well, that depends on what wing of evangelicalism, Reformed evangelicalism, you're, you're speaking to. And some circles would definitely, that, that, that critique would stick. I was going to say that it is the neglect of a robust doctrine of the trinity that led Packer to write his book. Hmm. Um, he wanted a, a reformed voice to capture what we believe about the Trinity or about the, the, the Holy Spirit. And that's why you have today the proliferation of books such as with titles like Forgotten Trinity or Forgotten God or Forgotten Spirit, you know. But uh, at the same time, in the Reformed heritage, the greatest writings on, uh, for example, the Spirit's role in the life of the believers came from Puritan writers mm-hmm. such as John Owen. And John Calvin. John Calvin, oh, John Calvin is a wonderful theologian of the Spirit. And then uh, the, the uh, greatest writings on the Spirit's role in preaching hmm. came from men like Martin Lloyd-Jones and Charles Spurgeon. So um, I, the, the, I was reading a biography recently about Spurgeon that called him a Reformed mystic. There's some truth to that. That would be true of Lloyd-Jones as well. I don't agree with everything Lloyd-Jones ever said mm-hmm. about the Spirit, but I'm just saying there are many Reformed voices that have written and contributed very much to our understanding of the Spirit's work. Uh, but yes, I think in general, for broad brushstroke, we have not appreciated enough in reform circles the uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we've reacted at least in the last hundred years, um, seventy five years, to charismatics, Pentecostals, and that has led us maybe to some degree to diminish uh, the Spirit's work. I, I think that would be a fair. Critique. What do you think is a corrective to that? Corrective to the the Reformed camp? What's a corrective to what may be a neglect of the Spirit's ministry? 
uh, uh, writing and reading books like the one J.I. Packer wrote, uh, re-immersing ourselves in the scriptures, particularly the material in the upper room, uh, spending our time on things that are less speculative but more sure about the Spirit and majoring on those things in our preaching and in our conversations. There's just a lot of chaos surrounding the whole topic of the Holy Spirit. We need clearer minds. We need biblically conditioned thinking when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because when we, there, there are problematic passages for sure. Right. But there's a lot of clarity in the Bible mm-hmm. with respect to the Spirit. We've got to get back to those passages. And so I'm thankful to see good books being written about the Holy Spirit. Another one would be, I think it's just called The Holy Spirit by Sinclair Ferguson. Mm-hmm. There, there are Reformed authors that have re-examined this for us and helped us, I think, in appreciating more the place of the Spirit in the life of the believer, in preaching, life of the church, you know, in ministry. Um, we just need, we need greater clarity is the anecdote. What do you think's most under, most misunderstood about the Spirit? Yeah, by whom? Um, I will say the, the idea that the Holy Spirit is most preoccupied with bringing to believers the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I could ask a hundred people yeah. who, who uh, any visitor attending on a Sunday at my church, almost none of them would give me that answer. Yeah. We have so many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a, a mystical force that gives us spontaneous impressions or, or brings about spontaneity in worship. And we talk about, I, I'm just trying to move with the Spirit or go with the Spirit. Or the, it, we talk about these odd peripheral things mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with what's central about the Spirit's ministry. And so, so I would just say that one of the things that would be most discouraging to me and that I hope would change in a lot of churches, including my own, is an appreciation for the central work of the Spirit mm. and not getting caught up in what's obscure, but seeing what's central and clear. Yeah. And that is, I think Packer's onto this. I think he's working well with the biblical passages. It's to, it's to spotlight the Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm no Star Wars expert, but it, I think people treat the Holy Spirit like it's the Force. Yeah, oh, yeah, we've you all know, heard that, yeah. Uh, may the Force be with you. And I think the Spirit well, be with you. Well, if you watch if you watch Star Wars, I have no idea what the Force does. I've I've watched Star Wars growing up my whole life, and maybe an expert could tell me, but there's no clarity surrounding the Force's ministry in Star Wars. I think similarly, we've adopted that same confusion and how we talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. I, I felt, you know, I was trying to make a decision, tough decision, and I, I felt this impression mm. that I should choose option A over option B. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, or it could have been lunch Yeah, in your stomach, digesting. I, I don't mean to be crass. I'm yeah. just saying we're, we're far outside the Bible now when we talk that mm-hmm. way. Go to the Scriptures. Study out what the Spirit does. It's, it's, it's not very difficult to survey the Gospels and to, 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 to catalog everything that's said about the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit in the Gospels. It's not hard to go through all of Paul's writings. So let's, let's just extract every statement about the Holy Spirit and build a theology. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not hard to do that. And yeah. we, we should do that. Let's look at text and let's build our theology not on, not on what's vague and obscure, but on what's clearly taught in the Bible. Yeah, I think another common misconception is that uh, is the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. A lot of us think the Holy Spirit, it, yeah, it, it's, it's something like a force, it's something ethereal, it's something that's not somebody. 
something no, impersonal. The Holy Spirit is a yeah. he. Yes. It's not it's an person. it. Yes, it's, it's a person. Right. Also, what I, what I view is unfortunate. I don't love the new, the way the King James translates the Holy Ghost. Mm. I think that word confuses a lot of people. Sure. We think of Casper. We think of something, you know. Today we do, yeah. yeah. We, we, we would have spoken 400 years ago, 300 years ago about Someone giving up their ghost, giving mm-hmm. up their spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that would be how that... But yeah, I think that we definitely confuses We think of something spooky, matter. you know, something, yeah. something as mysterious as we would think of ghosts today. Yeah, yeah, I know that's definitely true. So you, you, you reference spontaneity. Should we associate the Holy Spirit in any way with, with spontaneity and ministry or worship? I'll, I'll say not in the way that it is popularly thought of. So my impulse to raise my hands in worship is not necessarily the work of the Spirit within me. Mm-hmm. Or to all of a sudden, I got a word from, you know, I think we're off off the track mm-hmm. when we think of that kind of spontaneity mm-hmm. as being the, the intended effect of the Spirit's work within us. Mm. The, the Spirit brings Christ to us, brings the truth to life in us, applies the word to us, helps us to fight our sin. It's it's not it's not spontaneous and loud and now that said, I do think in some contexts God's Spirit does work in ways in 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 moments mm-hmm. to bring power and clarity and bring things to our mind that we didn't plan about. Mm-hmm. I pray for that in preaching. Yeah. One of the things I'm asking the Spirit of God to do is that He would bring in the moment of preaching things to my mind bring a, a sort of engagement with the people and in my heart that gives me a clarity in, in my thought and my speech that maybe I didn't even have in my preparation uh, before I stand up to preach. More than that, the Bible does speak of the Holy Spirit giving words to his apostles yes. to say in those moments. Yep. So, yeah, the Spirit can work spontaneously, mm-hmm. but I don't think we should think primarily what he's doing is trying to create these spontaneous moments or in ways totally unanticipated and 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 um, unbeckoned, mm-hmm. we do unpredictable things. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get well, it. Yeah. Well, Th- that, that's where I've seen that go. Right. And I'm like, no, that's not really. Of course, the Spirit can give us spontaneous impulses yes. or spontaneous uh, clarity to see something or appreciate something with new, new freshness or new mm-hmm. clarity. But the idea that, well, just to do unexplainable, spontaneous things in worship mm-hmm. or in relationships or in evangelism or in preaching, that's what I should be asking for and looking for. That's what the Spirit is for. I think we're off the track. Yeah. And I think that's where, I believe that's where I think Martin Lloyd-Jones wasn't, isn't far off in, in his theology of the Holy Spirit. You know, he might be accused of believing in some sort of second blessing, but but a lot of that what he believed was essentially blessing and something we would call unction in in mm. preaching God's word. The mm. idea of, of the Spirit calling to mind and and, and being able to preach with power. Oh. I came across a Spurgeon quote today that I found very helpful, where he says, "Unless the Holy Ghost blesses the word." We who preach the gospel are of all men most miserable, for we have attended a task that is impossible. Hmm. We've entered on a sphere where nothing but the supernatural will ever avail. If the Holy Spirit does not renew the hearts of our hearers, we cannot do it. If the Holy Spirit does not regenerate them, we cannot. Hmm. If he does not send the truth home into their souls, we might as well speak into the ear of a corpse. Wow. 
Yeah, and I, I think on the issues, the Holy Spirit's work being spontaneous, I think to some degree we could say the new birth mm. insofar as it comes to us in a spontaneous way. I mean, I've seen people converted in the context of worship services mm-hmm. where the Spirit of God breaks through in a moment and causes them to see their sin and to see Christ as a Savior and to it's see their It's the very promise of Ezekiel 37. Yes, yeah. oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it, it yes, that, there's a spontaneity there. I do think, too, in terms of spontaneity, in terms of, spontaneously seeing something in the Bible with new clarity, like in a moment, like in a sermon per se. Mm -hmm. I never saw this, but the Holy Spirit of God came to me and awakened my mind and my heart to this reality in the text. Whether it's God's love for me or or, or the the, the beauty and glory of Christ or the the, um, beauty of the church or whatever, I saw it in a way, in a moment that that's the spirit of God at work, and we could say spontaneously, you know, in, in, a, in a moment. So that, that stuff is, is, is definitely happening as part of the spirit's work. I'm more, I guess I'm talking in a reactive way, corrective sort of way, against, yeah, the, the Star Wars type yeah. theology of the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the hymns that I most appreciate on this subject that, that kind of gets that idea of the spirit breaking through our sin is uh, the hymn, O Great God. Uh-huh where uh, it says, I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joy. Then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me through the gospel of your son, gave me endless hope and peace. That idea that without the spirit breaking through our night, we have no hope. It yeah. wasn't until the, the spirit gave us that clarity where we converted how should we understand the Spirit's work in Christian singing? Well, music. Yeah. I don't know that it's unlike the Spirit's work in, in, in uh, reading the Scriptures, reflecting on the truth and all of that. In, in singing, hopefully the Spirit is bringing the truth of the words to bear on our mm-hmm. hearts, even as we sing. Mm-hmm. And so showing us things about Christ, assisting us in our worship of the Lord, I think those are some of the main things the Spirit is doing, giving us a sense of the actual presence of God with us, mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord with us. Um, yeah, the, the, the ordinary things that the Spirit does, the main things the Spirit does, I shouldn't say ordinary, the wonderful and glorious things the Spirit does, um, he's, he's doing in the context of singing as well. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, bringing us to greater measures of understanding and, and love for the truth. I think a lot of that is partly because it's in the context of congregational worship. I think of that image in First Peter that we're, we're living stones, mm-hmm. and we're coming together to build a spiritual house. Yeah. There's something that's synergistic about that, mm-hmm. that, that we as God's people are gathering together, we're focused on the Lord, and our hearts are being radiated by His glory. Yeah. That's all happening that, now, that happens when we're called to worship. That happens when we confess a creed. That happens when we sit under God's preaching. And I think it also especially happens when we sing God's praises, whether it's pra- praising Him, whether it's singing confessionally, whether it's mm-hmm. rehearsing His character back to Him, whether it's proclaiming the gospel. All these things, uh, uh, the Spirit is is in the midst of oh, yeah. ministering to us. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I, I, think, I think when we want the Spirit of God to work within us and be with us, in the context of a worship service, that extends to every aspect of the service, yeah. and every one of the themes and subjects that's contemplated and applied and 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 sung about and prayed about. You know, he he works in all of that 
those major goals that are laid out for us in the scriptures, the, the, the objects he aims to achieve in our lives. On the topic of Christian singing and hymnody, do you think the Holy Spirit is underrepresented in hymnody? As a theme or, in the songs? Yes. Yeah, uh, generally. I think, I think appreciating more of the Spirit's ministry um, can be better reflected in songs. Spirit's ministry, again, in the life of the Christian, life of the church, in preaching, in, in uh, our, our knowledge of the Word. I think um, there has been a fear of the topic as a whole, um, in, at least in the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we don't need to be afraid of the topic. The Bible does clearly give us material mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit. It should be sung about. I appreciate in uh, Reformed worship of the past, in um, Reformed worship in the Church of England, um, the praise directed to the person of the Spirit is a, is a feature mm-hmm. of Reformed mm-hmm. worship. And needs to be a feature of Reformed worship. We praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And um, yeah, I'd love to see more more renewal of interest in the Spirit in our songs. Well, Alex, that brings us to our hymn of the podcast, and that's Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God is a hymn by Keith Getty and Stuart Townen. It was written and or published in 2006 by Thank You Music. Uh, a wonderful hymn uh, on the topic of the Spirit's ministry, and particularly um, is designed to be sung congregationally. That is a, a church imploring for the Spirit's blessing uh, in their life corporately. Mm-hmm. Alex, you think it's appropriate to pray to the Holy Spirit? Uh, yes. Good, because th- that's all this hymn does. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> this hymn is a, is a prayer to the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's a, uh, addressing the Holy Spirit. Wonderful hymn. I, I encourage uh, listeners to learn this hymn. Sing this hymn um, is, is particularly helpful going into uh, the sermon, asking God before, as we, hear, as we hear God's word preach, that our hearts would be ready to receive it. I'll read the first verse. It says, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, Breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. Alex, what do you appreciate about this hymn? Well, the fact that it, it uh, does focus on the uh, the person of the Holy Spirit so directly. Yes. A wonderful song to sing before coming before the Word of God in worship. The expectation that, that uh, in an older hymn, I'm forgetting the author now, but we sing the Spirit breathes upon the Word mm-hmm. and brings the truth to life. Mm-hmm. Th- this says that in more contemporary fashion, mm-hmm. cause the Word to come alive in me. That's a great prayer to pray right before, right before coming before God's Word mm-hmm. in the sermon. Uh, right before coming before God's word in the morning, before I read it, you yeah. know, cause your word to, to to take effect. And how often has it been that we we've read a passage a hundred times, we read it, and the Spirit comes and illumines our minds yes. to see it and understand it and appreciate it with new clarity. And we should often pray that we should yeah. pray that whenever we come before the Bible, Lord, cause or, cause the word to come alive in me and give me eyes faith for what I cannot see. Yeah, and Alex, you do something that I love often in your preaching. Uh, usually when we sing this hymn, you'll use this, that first verse, or maybe the third verse, uh, as your pastoral prayer before you preach. Uh, as, as This is what we all should be saying and asking the Lord mm-hmm. as we listen to the word preached. I also appreciate that 
within that first verse, Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, they highlight that principal ministry of the Spirit. That is what you've been talking about, what we've been talking about, that's bringing the presence of the risen Lord to renew our heart and to make me whole. Yes. Putting a spotlight on the risen Christ to help saints, equip saints, help sinners see the Lord for who he is. Yes, yeah, just a wonderful hymn. Alex, any other thoughts on this hymn? No, I, other than to say I hope more hymns like it are written, because I do think this is a, a healthy and clear view of the Holy Spirit. I mean, and, and, and this is, it's amazing in three verses how comprehensive they are in mm. terms of the various aspects of the Spirit's work. But this, you could put a, a chapter and verse by almost every statement yes. in the song, and this this is safe, this is clear, this mm-hmm. is this is something we can definitely say about God's Spirit, and we, we should be specific in our thoughts about God. We shouldn't be... We shouldn't be loose with the truth of God's word. Mm. We should be specific about what he said to be true. And one of the things they do so well in this hymn, uh, the Gettys, is they put it poetically in a way that really does, I think, draw the heart out and worship to God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brothers and sisters, with that, we are out of time. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you, brother.